Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Jew Podcast, where we dive deep into Torah and Judaism to uncover its hidden beauty. Come join us as we take a closer look and breathe new life into traditional Jewish ideas. And now, here's your host, Rabbi Moshe Siegel. Hello, and welcome to episode 80. My family recently relocated to Silver Spring, and because of all the craziness of moving cross-country, I've been posting for the past few weeks fascinating medical ethics classes that I've previously given. However, since this weekend begins the three-week mourning period, I wanted to repost the laws and deeper concepts behind this period on the Jewish calendar. In English, we simply refer to this time period as the three weeks. However, in Hebrew, it's actually called Bein HaMitzarim, which means between the straits or between the difficult times. And that's because the two end dates of this three-week period are the two most tragic dates on the Jewish calendar. The opening day, which this year was this past Sunday, June 27th, is the 17th of Tammuz, and three weeks later to the day is the 9th of the Hebrew month of Av. Since this time period is historically a difficult one for the Jews, the rabbis instituted many of the laws that we generally find by someone who's mourning the loss of a close relative, and the rabbis applied this on a national level during this time. The time itself is broken up into three different sections, each one containing a more intense level of mourning than the previous one. So I want to start the discussion today with the background, the history, and the meaning of this time period, and then at the end we'll go through the practical laws, the halacha of this time period as well. So as I mentioned, the first day of this time period is the 17th of Tammuz. The Gemara teaches us that there were five tragedies that occurred on the 17th of Tammuz. The first one was, Moses descended from Mount Sinai and found the Jews worshipping the golden calf. And as a result of that, Moses smashed the tablets, which produced a significant lowering in the level of the Torah that the Jews were able to receive. Tragedy number two was just before the destruction of the first temple, Jerusalem was in siege, and they ran out of animals to bring the daily sacrifice. The very first day that they were unable to properly serve Hashem, they were no longer able to bring the daily sacrifice, was the 17th of Tammuz. Fast forward roughly 500 years in history while the second temple was standing, the walls of Jerusalem were broken down on the 17th of Tammuz as well, which leads to the destruction of the second temple a few weeks later. Number four, at the same time after they broke the walls, there was a Roman general named Apostomus, and he burnt a Torah on that day. And this was the very first public burning and destruction of Torah and Jewish books in history, which unfortunately became a repeated theme occurring many times afterwards. Lastly, after they breached the walls, they placed an idol inside the temple itself, desecrating the holiness of the temple prior to destroying it. These are all events that happened on the 17th of Tammuz. And like we mentioned, the bookends of this three-week period is the 17th of Tammuz in the beginning and the 9th of Av on the other end. The 9th of Av is the climax of our morning. Historically, this is the most tragic day on the Jewish calendar. In the Sinai Desert, after the Jews left Egypt, they sent spies into the land of Israel, then called Canaan, to check out the land as described in Numbers chapter 13. Tragically, the spies brought back a negative report and convinced the Jewish nation as a whole that it's a bad idea 
to go into Israel. When the Jews cried over the negative report of the spies, they were actively rejecting God, claiming He couldn't bring them into the land. They pushed God away from themselves, and this was the first tragedy of Tishabov. The Medrash teaches us that because the Jews cried and pushed God away on that night, in the future God would give them a reason to cry and would reject them and distance them on that same night. And it was on this date in history, the 9th of Av, that both the first and second temple were destroyed. Around 60 years later as well, the Bar Kokhba revolt resulted with a devastating defeat by the Roman Emperor Hadrian, which was really ended the last stand that the Jews had in Israel, as well as it resulted in the death of approximately 100,000 Jews. More recently, this is the same day that the Jews were expelled from Spain in 1492, as well as the day that the Germans declared war on Russia in 1914, which really kickstarted World War I and in effect impacted World War II as well. So now that we've seen the historical perspective of this three-week period and just really how tragic it's been, what's the message for us? What's the takeaway? So I believe the answer is that it's a time of reflection. It's a time to think about how important it is to make God a part of our lives and how tragic our lives become when we distance ourselves from God. Of all the ancient tragedies we mentioned, the constant theme that continues to show up is our distance from God. When we had the temple, it was a place in our world of complete transcendence. One can purify himself or herself and enter into the temple and see a whole new dimension, connect to a richness and meaning that none of us are able to experience nowadays. And that reality was lost. We don't have that ability to connect to God like that anymore. And with the smashing of the tablets and the burning of the Torah scrolls as well, we were again pushed away from God. Immersing yourself in the deepest Torah can also be a transcendent experience similar to the temple. But with the smashing of the tablets, our connection to Torah was weakened and through all of these exiles and persecutions and destruction of holy books, it's become more and more difficult for us to connect to that transcendent experience through Torah. Lastly, the exile, the destruction, the death of so many Jewish people, originally in the hands of Rome and then Spain and more recently Germany, our final ability to connect to Hashem in the deepest way is through unity and love and caring for our fellow Jews. The Talmud teaches us that one of the reasons the temple was destroyed was because of baseless hatred between Jews. When we behave in a negative way towards someone else, Hashem says, this isn't a group of people that I want to be a part of. And Hashem leaves as well. The Zohar teaches us that Yisrael v'oraisa v'kud shabrichu chadhu, the Jewish nation, the Torah, and God are all one. The tragedy of this time period that we're in right now is that we severed our connection to all three of these elevated concepts. We pushed Hashem away with not trusting in Him to conquer Israel and eventually got pushed away from God with the destruction of the temples. We lost our deep connection to Torah as well. And lastly, we find also that we've distanced ourselves from fellow Jews through acts of baseless hatred. And although we don't have the temple nowadays to enter into and connect with Hashem in, we do have the Torah and we definitely have our fellow Jews. If we strengthen ourselves in our Torah study, as well as in doing acts of love and kindness towards our fellow Jews, that'll strengthen our connection to Hashem, to God, 
and hopefully result with the bringing of Mashiach and the building of the third temple, which will once again provide us with the opportunity to experience God in the most transcendent way possible. I want to now go through the laws of this three-week period, and as I mentioned in the beginning, there's really three different stages of ascending levels of mourning. And there are a lot of different laws and halachas that come into effect at later points in time. I'm going to mention it all now to put it all in one place, but it might be worthwhile to come back here again before those other stages begin and remind yourself of those laws then. The start date, as we mentioned, is the 17th of Tammuz, and from this period onwards, we don't get haircuts, men don't shave, we don't make weddings or other public celebrations. We also don't go to live concerts, and many don't even listen to recorded music. All of these halachas are expressing our sadness and mourning over our distance from Hashem. When we hit the month of Av, which is 12 days in, we enter a more intense period of mourning known as the nine days, the final nine days of this period. This year that falls out on Shabbos, July 10th. And as an aside, we generally do not implement any of the laws of mourning on Shabbos itself, as Shabbos is a time of complete joy. Once the nine-day period starts, we no longer eat meat and we don't drink wine unless it's part of a mitzvah, such as a bris or on Shabbos. We don't wear freshly laundered clothing. So what many do is, in advance of the beginning of this period, they'll pre-wear whatever clothing they want to wear for about 10 minutes each item. So now when they put it on during the nine days, it's no longer considered fresh. And then you can go ahead and wear it during the nine days. Just to clarify, this law of fresh clothing only applies to outer clothing and not to undergarments. Those can be fresh and you don't have to pre-wear them. Additionally, during the nine days, you're not supposed to bathe or shower for pleasure. So you're allowed to shower for hygiene and to clean yourself if you're dirty or sweaty. But even in that situation, you should try to minimize the pleasures. You should make it a little bit colder and try to go in and out as quick as possible. Ideally, if possible, you should really avoid washing your entire body at one time as well. On Friday, in honor of Shabbos, you can take a completely regular shower. The rabbis also say, since the nine days is a time of heightened negative spiritual energy, ideally one should avoid closing on a property or starting renovations or pulling off a big business deal during this time as well. A lot of these laws are generalizations, and if you have specific questions, you should reach out to your rabbi or you can always feel free to reach out to me, as many of these laws are dependent on the details. The last stage of mourning is the last day, the ninth of Av itself, known as Tisha B'Av. Because of the immense mourning on this day, there's many, many more laws of mourning. First and probably most famously, it's a fast day. And similar to Yom Kippur, it's a 25-hour fast day starting from sunset the night before and continuing until the following night. Additionally, we do not wear leather shoes. We don't bathe, shower, or wash ourselves. If you become dirty, you can rinse off that one specific area. Even in the morning when we wake up and wash our hands in Tila Sedayim like we generally do every morning, this morning of Tisha B'Av, you should be careful to only wash up to the knuckles and not the entire hand. Additionally, marital intimacy is prohibited on Tisha B'Av as well as most Torah study. Since Torah learning brings joy to one's life, one's only permitted to learn the sections of Torah that are a little more somber, such as the Book of Lamentations, the Book of Job, Laws of Mooring, and select passages in the Talmud. Also, as you may have seen at a Shiva house, mourners sit on a low-down chair. 
So on the Tisha B'Av also, we sit on the floor or on low-down chairs, ideally not more than a foot off of the ground. But this is done at night and in the morning until midday. But from midday onwards, we begin to transition to a time of comfort. And therefore, from midday on, you're allowed to sit on normal couches and chairs, etc. Because of the general somber feelings of Tisha B'Av, the rabbis also prohibited from greeting people. Ideally, we should just kind of walk and exude a more sad, reflective appearance to yourself. If someone comes over to you, you cannot, or you could respond softly. But if possible, you should really inform them that it's customary to avoid greeting people and schmoozing on this day. Many have the custom also to sleep in a less comfortable way. Some people sleep on a cot instead of their bed. Some people who generally use two pillows will only use one or vice versa. Lastly, we don't make the blessings on the talis or tzitzis on Tisha B'Av morning, and we don't wear tefillin during the morning service. Rather, we wait until we transition again to the time of comfort as we go on in the day, and we only make blessings on them and put on the tefillin during mincha, the afternoon services. I know I just went through a lot of laws, and if anybody has any additional questions, never hesitate to reach out. You can always reach me at the Thinking Jew Podcast at gmail.com. I'll just end by saying that our rabbis in the Talmud teach us that everyone who joins together and mourns the destruction of the temple will surely merit to witness its rebuilding. So I give all of us here a blessing that through our learning about this three-week period and engaging in these laws of Jewish living, may this be a merit for all of us to witness and see the rebuilding of the third temple speedily in our days. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Jew podcast and for taking the time to study Torah and deepen your connection to Judaism. If you found value in today's episode, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or topic requests for Rabbi Moshe, please email the Thinking Jew podcast at gmail.com or visit thethinkingjew.com. 